0: Happy Father's Day, Chase Oaks, and welcome. So glad that you're with us on this big day as we honor dads and encourage dads. And sometimes, uh, you know, in church, if you go as a dad, you're gonna you know, people are gonna make you feel guilty or something. We're not doing that. Uh, we're gonna encourage you, uh, because you're an amazing part of the life of your child, and God wants you to enjoy it, and He wants you to do it really well. And so I was thinking about, man, if if there could be one person that I would want for our church to hear on how to be a great dad. um, There's there's two people that come to mind. And one of those is my own dad. But he's in heaven and that's complicated. I don't have that kind of clearance to make that happen. The second person is alive and his name is Tim Kimmel. And that's who you're about to hear. And I'm telling you, I'm spoiling you. This is a real treat. Tim wrote, has written a number of books. He's a conference. He speaks all over and all this. But uh, the the book that I remember just changing my life as a parent was called Grace-Based Parenting. It's still there, Grace-Based Parenting. It's an incredible book. And you're about to hear some of the concepts. But, again, if if I can choose, like, one person living to talk about parenting and one approach that I think really reflects the heart of God and that is empowering to those of us who are dads, It's Tim Kimmel. And I was so excited when I called and said, hey, would you be willing to speak at Chase Oaks? And, you know, and we would love to do that. And he said, yes. So we're about to hear Tim. So kind of perk up and uh, whether you're a dad or not, uh, we're going to understand our heavenly father more because of what Tim is going to say. And so just ask God to speak into your life right now. and, And let's welcome Tim to our stage.
1: I want to start out by saying hello to all of you folks there at Chase Oaks. I love your church. I've enjoyed the times I've been able to participate alongside you in the wonderful ways you're keeping God's light shining bright in your part of Texas. And I so appreciate your pastor and the great team of people that serve alongside of him. I'm honored to be part of this virtual gathering on this special day in the calendar. And with that in mind, Happy Father's Day. Now, even though this message is about honoring fathers, There's something in it for all of you. But for you dads, you know, this Sunday is set aside every June to honor you and me and those of us who have children out there who view us differently than any other man in their life. Kids who need something from us that few other men in their lives can deliver and who, when they talk to us, call us dad. Your church loves you. And they wanted this Sunday sermon to focus in on the life-impacting role you play in your kids' lives and how much God wants to come alongside you to help you do that. Now, some of you dads are right in the middle of it all. I mean, you're hip deep in the daily stuff of your kids' lives. You, along with their mother, spend most of your time feeling really tired. Happy Father's Day to you. And and some of you are trying to make your impact within the boundaries of a custody schedule. The original plan you started out with, had some setbacks that required it to be changed, but it hasn't diminished your love for your kids. I, I mean, if anything, it's intensified it. I'm glad you're listening in. Happy Father's Day to you. And some of you have kids who call you dad that may have a different man's name on their birth certificate. you stepped into their life through marriage and foster care or adoption, but there's no doubt they've been assigned by God to enjoy a safe place in your heart as you play out such a strategic role in their life. Happy Father's Day to you. And some of you are fathers who, like me, have launched your children into adulthood. Your role has moved from being a daily resource in their life to an ongoing reference point. But, but even though they may have moved on, I mean, there's not a day in your life when they aren't on your mind. We celebrate you men, too. Well, whatever way it may be, listen, one thing I feel confident about is that you deeply love your kids. And I hope this day serves as an encouraging reminder of how much they depend on that love and how much they love you too. Fortunately, God hasn't left us in the dark about how to step up to our roles as fathers and is right there for us to supply the strength and the courage and the direction we need to play out those roles for his glory. You know, in fact, in Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4, it says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. You know, you know, if you look at what that verse is saying to us from our perspective as dads, it's saying that we're called to bring a keen sense of understanding, practical knowledge, and proven wisdom to our role as as fathers. Now, It's understanding knowledge and wisdom that ultimately fills the hearts of the people in our family picture with a lot of precious and pleasant assets they can use to build their lives. And even if you're young and fairly inexperienced, God wants to come alongside you to help you do those things effectively. Now, we may do a lot of the same things our children's mother does when it comes to caring for them and meeting their needs, But the roles of a mother and a father still have some very distinctive features to them. And before we're done, I hope I can encourage you in the way you're playing out those distinctive features as a dad. And when it comes to these two celebrations, Mother's Day and Father's Day, let's be honest with ourselves. Mother's Day typically gets the top billing. And because of how much we tend to automatically appreciate our mothers, it's kind of natural for churches to put a little more accent on their day each year than the one on the counter sets aside for us dads. I, I've been there. I mean, I've seen them. They have the moms stand up, and, and they, they get a big round of applause. In this case, maybe a big virtual round of applause, maybe flowers or a gift card. Uh, um, moms are often taken to lunch, and afterwards, they get to hear praises from their kids all day, either in person or a phone call or, or via a text. You know, one little boy that was interviewed was asked to define Father's Day. He says, it's just like Mother's Day. Only you don't spend so much. Well, that's okay. I think most of us dads are fine with that. Now, although it would be kind of cool how, if maybe the church could give us a little token something to take home. I mean, no flowers or gift card or anything, but, you know, a cordless drill or a chainsaw would be nice. That's the difference between the two. Listen, other listen, all, all mom and dad may, may carry out similar responsibilities when it comes to the ongoing care of their children. Their title in the family picture makes them very different people playing very different roles in the minds of their kids. And these differences, by default, often give a very distinctive feel to the two days when our our roles as mothers and fathers are recognized each year. Now, Now, over the years, I've sat where you are and I've listened to quite a few wonderful Mother's Day messages. They're messages that typically ooze with appreciation, gratefulness, and thanksgiving for the tender role these amazing women have played in our lives. And then a month to five weeks later, listen to the Father's Day messages. You know, it's interesting how I've often picked up a very different tone in the words passed on to us. Mom's messages were typically tributes. And the ones prepared for us dads often felt more like a lecture. For instance, it, it was not uncommon to hear some concerns about some stereotypically characteristics of, of us men that, that the person speaking has kind of exaggerated to Neanderthal proportions with the suggestion that we might want to tone these down in our role as fathers. Things like our tendency towards competition or confrontation or aggressiveness. Now, now women can be this way too, but when it comes to Father's Day, these are often brought up as liabilities that men as a group too often bring with them. Now, obviously, there can be extreme examples of competition and confrontation or aggressiveness that no one, especially me, would ever justify. But when they're seen as a generic liability to our role as dads simply because men as a group seem to be that way well i have a hard time with that now listen i'll grant you that a lot of us men are competitive by nature but i i I don't know i speak for everybody but look i'm just one of you guys i mean if if you're involved in something where someone is keeping score you should play to win I, i mean play fair but play to win And, and, you know, as fathers, we know that the adult world our kids ultimately move into doesn't give out championship participation trophies just to make sure they don't get their feelings hurt. I mean, the adult world waiting for them doesn't grade on the curve. And and even if you play hard and well and fair, it doesn't mean you're guaranteed to win. We may be competitive by nature, but when we lose, it gives us a good chance to show our kids how to do that with dignity and still hold our head high, to ultimately never be people who are defined by our victories or our defeats. How about the accusation that we're confrontational at times? Well, obviously, uh, this can be toxic if it's the standard way we operate in relationships. But I seriously doubt any of you men listening to me right now live to confront or fight people. But every once in a while, things happen. Circumstances play out the call for someone with courage to turn cowboy. I mean, like when you see an injustice. These moments don't afford most conscientious men or fathers the luxury of maintaining neutrality. Bullies have to be stood up to. And when you face off with evil, sometimes it gets really ugly. But someone has to do this, especially when those threats hit close to home. Well, how about we're aggressive by nature? Okay, most men tend to enjoy watching things collide, like the cause effect a football player's helmet has on an opponent's body. And when it comes to fatherhood, that aggressiveness clearly needs to be stewarded carefully. But when you step back and look at all the threats that our culture and the forces of evil pose to our families, you might be glad there's someone aggressive on the scene, who's willing to do something about it. I mean, and, and with all of its complications, I think there's something far worse than being aggressive as a father. And that would be being passive. So, on the one side, I'd hear us get criticized for things about us as men that we, th- we thought were actually assets to our role as dads. And then on the other side, be encouraged to bring features to the table that supposedly will make us more effective fathers. I heard two Father's Day messages where the speaker, after he had rebuked us for our tendencies towards, you know, competition and confrontation and aggressiveness, followed it by encouraging us dads to bring more sweetness and kindness to our persona as fathers, to be more deliberately sensitive, to spend more time having long discussions with our kids about deep emotional issues. I thought, wait, they're describing the kid's mom. That's not me. That's their mother. They already have one of them. (laughs) And they certainly don't need another. And and besides, I'm not like that. And I'm not sure I ever want to be. I I mean, if I was like that all the time, I'm afraid my wife Darcy would go Star Trek on me and say, Ooh, Captain, I'm detecting unusually high readings of estrogen. Set phasers for (laughs) de-wussify. I mean, I I, I get nailed for that. Now, obviously... As conscientious fathers, we want to be sensitive and to listen to our kids and to show respect and patience with their emotional issues. But we'll probably never be as good at doing that as their mother. But that's okay. God's given us other ways to make a good contribution to the big picture of our kids' lives. And it has to do with how we relate to them as children. Actually, more importantly, how they relate to us. I want to say this carefully, but listen listen up. There's an assumed love that most kids have for their mothers. I, I, I mean, moms receive the love of their children pretty much automatically. And the reasons are obvious. I mean, for most moms, she gave birth to them. She cared for them and fed them and nurtured them in those early years of their life in ways only she could. And because of the connection she had, with those children from the point of conception, there's a natural sensitivity she has to their needs. A, a mom's ears are somehow mysteriously hardwired to her heart. I mean, I mean, she listens to what her kids are saying in a way that here's what's being said behind the words. I mean, it's amazing to watch. and, and Which is why when something huge happens in a kid's life, it's not uncommon that the first thought to come to their mind is how much they'd love to share that moment with their mother. I've seen this. Maybe some of you have seen it. You are watching, let's say, a college football game. And some defensive guard or tackle recovers a football, and he starts pounding his way forward. And he fumbles, I mean, he tumbles and forward knocks guys off him about 20 yards and, and falls across the goal line and, and scores a touchdown. The place is going nuts. And then he turns to the camera that has the light on, and then he waves, and he says, Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. What are you saying? What are you saying hello to her? She didn't even want you to play this game. That's my gene pool out there that did that. That's it. But there's just, guys, listen. When these big, you know, incredible things happen in people's lives, it's just not uncommon for them. They want to connect to the womb. So we're, we're used to that stuff. But all the nuances that go with motherhood, basically caused most kids to automatically offer her a comfortable and secure place in their heart from the get-go. I mean, there's seldom any doubt in a kid's mind that mom loves them. I mean, they think, for crying out loud, she's my mother. Of course she loves me. She has to. It's her job. We dads don't necessarily get to enjoy an assumed position of being automatically cherished by our kids. We have to earn it. We have to prove our love for them. And and this need to prove our love is often complicated by some of our natural inclinations as men when it it comes to issues in our kids' life that they have to deal with. And, And it's also sometimes complicated by a lot of the cultural expectations put on us as men. Most of us dads are not as intuitively sensitive to kids' needs as their mothers are. I mean, so a kid cuts himself and, or bruises himself. They, they go running to dad and they're crying and, and you look and say, oh, it's not so bad. Uh, rub some dirt on it. it it'll be okay. And they, man, alive. They, they leave us and they run to their mother. What's like an all-female mass unit with a pity haven combined? These mothers are so good at comforting as well as caring for them. Uh, they're better at that than us. And then I think we're often required to be the tough guy in certain family situations. I mean, it's our job to give the stink eye to guys wanting to date our daughters. A daughter might be crazy about him. Mom adores this guy. But somebody has to play the role of intimidator. I mean, I mean we, we have to give him that look and, and maybe pull them aside and say it so, in so many words. We didn't raise this girl by accident. I don't want you treating her with an accidental attitude. And, and look, even if we dads play a front lines, active role in a lot of those caring and nurturing responsibilities that their mother also does, in most kids' mind, our efforts aren't given the same weight. And as a result, us dads are more often required to earn the love of our children. And, and that's why the love of a father impacts a kid's heart a bit differently when you run it all the way out through adulthood. Listen, when there's no doubt in their minds that their dad deeply loves them too, like their mother does, it's amazing how much that strengthens a child to deal with all the junk that, ultimately, uh, that life ultimately throws at them. And here's the good news in all of this for you dads. Our willingness to do the things that convince our children that they are thoroughly loved by us plays a huge role in how they ultimately view themselves how they view others, how they view love, and how they view God. Now, obviously, mom's fingerprints are all over those conclusions too. But they get there more by default. For our fingerprints to be there, it requires deliberate determination on our part. And because of that, our love often has a different effect on them, oftentimes a more defining effect. And so today... We celebrate the dads and granddads of this church. God has given you the sacred trust and time, time, timely honor of serving as point men for your family. Now, that's the military term that, that, that refers to the person who leads the patrol through enemy territory. It's the person that has to have all their senses on red alert, They're looking for the tripwires and the booby traps of life, for the ambushes. And they're, they are also usually the person that gets attacked first. But when it comes to actually doing this, here's the good news. All we have to do is take our cues from the Lord on how to pull this off with dignity and determination. See, God looks at all of us through the lens of his amazing grace. Grace is giving someone something they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. Let me say that one again. Grace is giving someone something they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. You know, man, like God did for you and me. In Psalm 103, verses 8 through 13, this is kind of a compilation within there. It says, The Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. As a father shows compassion for his children... So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. See, we need to be grace-based dads. And this starts by being a recipient of God's grace. You know, by putting our trust in him and asking him for forgiveness. Faith in Jesus is the launch pad of our role as grace-based fathers. From there, get this, all we have to do after that is simply treat our kids the way God treats us. That single statement I just made summarizes the essence of grace-based parenting. Just treat your kids the way God treats you. And for the record, let's remember what that doesn't look like and what it does look like. See, God doesn't guilt us or shame us or compare us or threaten us or keep score or get even. His grace in action looks like joy and peace and kindness and goodness faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And with that in mind, let me close off our time together by taking three things God does for us and list them off as three things we can in turn do for our kids. The first one is this. Like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads sacrificially love their kids. If I was to pick out the cornerstone passage for grace-based and grace-filled relationships, it would be Philippians chapter 2, Verses 3 and 4. It says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. You see, Paul defends this expectation by pointing to Jesus and how he dealt with us. He was outwardly focused and others oriented from start to finish. And Paul is just saying, I'm I'm just asking you to treat others the way Jesus has treated you. So what would this passage look like applied to our our lives? Well, two things when it comes to loving our kids. Uh, Loving our kids sacrificially involves first receiving them as a gift from God. They're not a booby prize from your parents, but when they're pushing your buttons and driving you nuts, I'm sure some of your parents get a kick out of it. Uh, it reminds them of what it was like raising you. Uh, we need to receive them as individuals with their own unique design. Now, now their unique design may not always measure up to the world's superficial and shallow standards, but for us, our kids are always seen as amazing works of art. I have a friend named Greg Speck. He's, a, he's an incredible communicator to junior high and high school kids. And he was speaking at a high school camp uh, when a girl pulled him aside to tell him her story. Through junior high and high school, this girl had taken a lot of criticism from her peers for her looks. In their eyes, she simply got left out in the looks department. Girls teased her about certain features of her face or her body. And what seemed to validate the criticism she endured was the fact that no boy had ever shown her any attention. And and she felt so isolated and she felt so unacceptable And and so alone and in her desperation for acceptance, she decided that if she just gave herself away to some boy and had sex with him, it would offset this void she felt. Um, And so she approached a a boy in one of her classes and they uh, made the offer and they decided to rendezvous that Friday night to make this all happen. She got ready and was slipping through the family room to head out the front door. Her dad was there reading the newspaper, and he looked up from it as she got to the door. And he looked at her and said, oh, honey, you are so beautiful. You are a stunning young woman. And she stopped, and she turned to look at her dad, and then she immediately started to cry. Hey, oh, honey, come here. What's wrong? And he held her, and then he heard her story. He assured her of her dignity, value, and beauty as a young woman. And and in the process, he gave her a whole opinion of herself. And she never met up with that boy. She learned that she measured up in the eyes of the most important man in her life. And, And it was what she needed and turned out to be all she needed from that point on to ignore all the shallow opinions of her peers and instead hold her head high as a person. So one way we love our kids is by receiving them as a gift from God. But there's another thing we can do besides receiving them, and that loving our kids sacrificially ultimately involves releasing them to fulfill God's plan for their lives. In Psalm 127, verses 3 and 4, it says, Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior, are the children of one's youth. Now, if, if I was a warrior, or you men were warriors, and we were depending on bows and arrows, and arrows in our quiver, you know, for, for bringing victory, I'd want to be so careful, so careful, and so deliberate about every arrow I'd fire. And the reason is because I know there's a limited amount of them in my quiver. And so we have to, we have to do all the preparation for those kids, but ultimately launch them. My father helped my brothers and I make sure we had this clear in our mind from 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 time we were little kids he 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 had two rules for us me and my uh, my four brothers he says i want you in by 12 and i want you out by 18 now he thought it was kind of funny <laughs> and and but he was also serious he said no look well mom and i will work like men to do our best to have you ready you, but you'll never ever be completely ready but you got to launch and, and, and you got to take it from there. Now, I'm sure college is, is maybe extended that day, but somewhere, that's ultimately we, we send them on their way. I love the way Neil Postman said it. He said, children are a gift we send to a time we will not see. Now, besides sacrificially loving our kids, a second thing we can learn from God is, like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads enthusiastically serve their kids. First Peter, chapter five, verses two to three says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly and not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. Listen, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold it, Tim. Isn't that verse about like pastors or leaders of churches? Well, there's a specific application of that verse to people that lead the church, but there's a generic one, a general one, to anybody that leads anyone, any believer that leads anyone. But let's go back to that first one, because I think that one actually is applies to you and your role, because my favorite definition of the family is uh, something that the uh, late Pope John Paul wrote in Latin in one of his things. He, he, he referred to the family as a domestic church. He said that the family is the smallest church out there. All our local churches is a collection of these domestic churches. Moms, da- moms and dads are pastorettes and pastors of the smallest church out there. And listen, our local churches are only as healthy as the collective health of those domestic churches showing up. And, and so we have a, a huge responsibility here. And, and one of the ways we enthusiastically serve our kids is by caring for them. According to that verse, we, we want to consider it a privilege, To work hard and play a significant role in providing for them, we don't want to do this begrudgingly. It's not that we have to do this; it's that we get to. And another thing we learn from that verse is by we we do by making our children a priority, we do it eagerly. You know, we're 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 interested in 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 their lives and their friends and their hopes and their fears. And 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 let me let me kind of get glean another thing from that verse. We, one of the ways we serve them is by keeping them under control, but never trying to control them. Um, I wrote a book called The High Cost of High Control, and and in there here's how I define high control: is when I leverage the strength of my personality or my position against your weaknesses in order to get you to meet my selfish agenda. You see, as parents, we're never supposed to do that. As dads, we're not supposed to do that. We keep them under control, but not control them. Because, see, God hasn't wired any of us to, to respond well to high control. And, and, and I think we enthusiastically serve our kids by cultivating a heart-connected relationship with them. Uh, I love that term. You know, in fact, somebody pinned me down and said, what's the primary role of a Christian parent? I would put it this way. It, it is to connect to the heart of a child in such a way that it makes it so much easier for that child to connect to the heart of God. It, when, when, when that's where we're coming from, it changes everything. And what does that look like? We, we ask them questions, and, 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 and we listen to their answers. We, we, give, we use a lot of affirming words and meaningful touch. We show affection to them, hugs and kisses, and tell them that we love them. It changes everything for them. And I think another way we serve them is we spend time doing things that they enjoy doing. Uh, Moms are really good at that, so we have to work at that a little bit more, doing things that they enjoy. And, And I think another thing a dad does to care for his kids is he prays with them and he prays for them. Now, besides sacrificially loving our kids and enthusiastically serving our kids, a third thing we learned from the Lord is, like, like our Heavenly Father, grace-based dads humbly lead their kids. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7 says, And these words that I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. This passage is about us, how we take an active thing in discipling our kids. Now, obviously, the biggest way we can lead our kids this way is through our example of godly character, being men of integrity and honesty and compassion and humility. And and, and one of the most effective ways, I think, to develop the kind of example that our kids can count on is to live our lives in daily dependence and connection to God's heart through his word and through prayer. And and when when these things are are going, I think, fairly smoothly, I think the average dad tend to lead more from the middle. But when all hell breaks loose, you got to move up front. You know, know, the the powerful book, Grapes of Wrath, uh, John Steinbeck wrote wrote this book. It it was a Depression-era story about poor tenant farmers in Oklahoma. And early in the book, uh, he talks about the fierce windstorms that they often had to endure there. Winds that would sometimes blow for days and doing enormous damage to their crops. And and their pay was a percentage of those crops because they didn't own the farms. They just worked them. And, and, And meanwhile, it would force these poor farmers to wait it out, hunker down inside their small homes. And when the winds would finally stop, they'd come out. Now, you'd think that children that had been holed up for so long would be so grateful for the freedom to run and play. But they just stick close to the house as the men would walk further out. And Steinbeck said the men would stand there assessing the damage and trying to determine whether or not they had a prayer and, regardless, what should be done. But the children didn't look at the damage. They just quietly sat there staring at the faces of the men in their life those fathers and grandmothers. It, It was the looks that they saw on their fathers and grandfathers faces that told them whether or not they had any hope listen there's constant crisis going on we have just been through a big one in our country and 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 uh and and, and economic setbacks and and our 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 culture uh, uh uh comes at our families sometimes individually we need to move to the front and lead in these times but we must do it humbly you know, uh, as I bring this to a close, I-, I wrote a book called Basic Training for a Few Good Men. And as I was writing it, this many years ago, when I was writing this, though, my dad died right in the middle of the process of writing this manuscript. And I dedicated the book to him. But as I was kind of bringing it to a close, I, I-, I kind of... Uh, In this uh, chapter called Taps, I I, kind of wrote a little tribute to him. And I wanted to share a little bit with you, because I think it's germane to how we end this thing. I said my father had been a warrior. He fought in the famous Battle of the Bulge, 10th Armored Division, the 3rd Army. His commanding general was the legendary and infamous General George Patton. Dad would be the first one to downplay his role in the war. And he'd be quick to get after me if he thought I was playing it up. He never viewed himself as anything more than a ground pounder doing his duty. In the world's eyes, dad never, my dad never really rose above the rank of private. He was a simple man from a blue-collar family who worked for people most of his life, other people. And he sang in a church choir, he bowled every Friday night, and he tapped his feet to a lot of big band music. When dad died, it was like finishing the reading of a great book. It was a story filled with adventure and surprises and lots of laughs. And when me and my siblings closed the back cover of that book and rested it in our hands for one last time, we realized that Dad had finished writing a story without regrets. It's a story we'll all reread in our memories and I hope retell in our actions. My father died a wealthy man because of the way he had invested himself throughout his life. He wasn't wealthy in the way most People determined bottom lines. He had little of this world's goods or money to his name the moment he died. Yet he was wealthy in the ways that matter most when you finally come to the end of your journey. He was rich in friends. And he was rich in family. and He was rich in faith. Dad proved that you don't need a long list of academic degrees to be wise. You don't need a Fortune 500 resume to make an impact. You don't need gold-plated friends to be admired. And you don't have to be tall to be looked up to. Now, I know what some of you guys are saying. Well, that's just great for you, Tim. You had this great role model. But what about me? My father wasn't there for me. I don't have anything like that. Listen, if you put your faith in Jesus, you have all the role model you need in him. Think about it. Jesus was tender to children. He was respectful to women. He was at ease around strong, determined men. He was fearless in the face of evil and hypocritical people. And he was obedient to God. Now, listen, all you dads, you're going to struggle. You'll fall short. You'll get it wrong sometimes. We all do. There are no perfect fathers out there. But even if there were, they're not what our children need or what they most long for. You know what your, your kids need is not a perfect dad. They just need an imperfect, grace-based dad. And they'll be just fine. In fact, it's God's grace that turns us into championship-level fathers, even with our shortcomings and missteps. Let me give you a quote. I bet you know who I'm talking about. He says, "I've I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I was I'd been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I failed over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeed." That was Michael Jordan, man. You just don't quit. You get, keep at it. Listen, Walter Payton, he's in the, in the Hall of Fame. He rushed the football for over nine miles when you put the numbers together. But when you also do the math from the statistics, on average, every 4.6 yards, some huge guy came along and knocked him down. Listen, man, you're going to get knocked down in your career as a dad. Just do your best to fall forward when that happens. And in the end, I assure you, your kids will put you in their personal hall of fame for people who made a huge impact in their life. Listen, with all this in mind, we celebrate you, Dad. Happy Father's Day.